1: kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply
2: zach and laura then went away to college one in washington one in maine and i'm like well that relationship's over high school relationships never last they stuck it out they're married and they just had their baby this year in 2020 go zach and laura hopefully named timothy
3: yeah, I was you know say. They,
2: they they went in another direction. Don't go worry about Forget that. Forget
3: them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys.
2: Bellas, how are you? Hello. Timmy! Excellent. Excellent. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, We're a, a day after Christmas, what they call Boxing Day, Ben Martin. Did you know that? Oh, dude! Not only did I know that, the girls and I went to Lululemon today for the <laughs>
1: Boxing Day sale. Uh, oh, uh, you I are, spent Lord. some time in Lulu, and by the way, I picked out some nice shirts oh, for that's yourself. Oh, oh yeah,
3: dude! And they uh, didn't. After five minutes of loitering, they didn't run a blood test or ask. Oh, to dude! Listen, up. it's
1: COVID time. I wore an N95 mask. I went in. I grabbed the sit on sale, and I was gone. I was in and out of there in two and a half minutes. You, you need I'm one afraid, of those, uh, I'm
3: afraid to go into Lululemon because I'll end oh, up on some kind of they like, actually, you know.
1: They actually, it was actually more scary in the parking lot outside because there yeah. was a huge line and the whole thing. But once you got inside, it was
2: fun. All right. But you, you're scared of being asked what you're doing in the Lululemon yeah, store shop. I'm, yeah. okay. I'm
3: just concerned. <laughs> like, I'm going to go into a Lululemon and be waiting on people who are shopping to be like, dude, just get out. You know, like I'm uh, taking mental <laughs> pictures of Lululemon shopping.
1: Um, oh, dude, you got the beard and the hair. You can just, you're just you there for <laughs> yoga, man. You're fine. Right, exactly. Yeah. I
3: just put the hoodie on. I'm like, I'm just here. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, uh, Jeff Simons, you're you hanging tight. You're in Berkeley right now. Still in Berkeley. We did not travel.
3: We canceled Excellent. travel. It was hard. We Zoomed the night before Christmas with the folks yep. on the night before Christmas. That's and what we, we did. we did some present opening Zoom uh, and then uh, my my brother in law organized a uh, in law family quiz, three part online quiz with breakout rooms and oh. questions based on family history. Oh! But I got in a group with um, a five year old <laughs> cousin, a twelve year old cousin, and uh, two of us who had married into the family. You lost. And so we were we. There were many questions where we were at an enormous disadvantage. Holy, like what was the name of the hippo on the tree and the Holy 1970s shit, Jeff Simons, like y-
2: you were seated at the kids' table. Is yeah, what but happened. you know
3: what? We we tied. <laughs> we tied for first, and then we lost. Uh, I actually lost on a music question to my 13-year-old uh, niece. Uh, well, let me see if you got the answer. Who yeah. is the only artist to have her first six singles go into the top 10?
2: Uh, Taylor Swift.
3: That's what I said.
1: No, it's then, def- that's extra wrong. That's definitely not it. Well, it was not, not extra, extra wrong. wrong.
3: It was just wrong. <laughs> no, no,
1: that's terrible. I mean, if you know Taylor what? Swift, she was not. She was in the top ten of the country charts, but she didn't have top ten hits. So Our song the is not kind of a top ten hit. What's uh, the answer? <sighs> it's uh, Mariah Carey or Rihanna.
3: It's both incorrect. It's Ariana Grande.
1: Oh, I, I like it. That's a good one.
3: So I got. I was in
1: it. the neighborhood at least. I was at York. least in
3: the neighborhood. Now, anyway, I don't. You, uh,
2: I don't count Taylor's country career. I, was, uh, I start.
3: I later. was happy to lose to my to my niece. It was a it was a good moment for her.
2: So. All right, well, gentlemen, we're in two thousand three, uh, recording this late. It's going to be a quick turnaround for the production team. I'm a little worried about that <laughs> and whether they can do it. Um, but the uh, the intro is not going to be about the uh, Simon's Family Christmas. It's going to be about colonoscopies because, gentlemen, between the recording of this podcast Saturday night and the recording of the next podcast on Wednesday night, I am having a colonoscopy. Because... Timmy, we talked about the medical update feature. It's out. <laughs> I'm out on the medical update feature.
1: This is we a public service it. announcement. No, it's not okay. Everyone no over 50. No one tunes in to hear about your colon. It's <laughs> I a, a disaster.
3: New... I, have a Jeff... new... I have a new cyst I'd like to talk about as well next week. <laughs> that just appeared
2: all right well so,
3: speaking
2: of um yeah let's go to the grammy wait, winner wait, 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 for two wait. Th-
3: we're in it you brought it up are you nervous are you excited are you anticipatory i'm like, not what excited are your emotions?
2: the purging begins tomorrow i've got all the materials for that um jeff simons you've been down this road it's <laughs> not that
3: bad right I no. thought it was a piece of cake. Like I, I drank a bucket of liquid and then I had a Ben's, hilarious Ben's cutting this whole evening of No, no, uh, listen, feel free to cut
1: this. I've got, I, I actually have celiac disease, so I can't eat wheat. And I've had um, oh. regular colonoscopies yeah. since the 90s. And I can wow. promise you that the prep is way better Oh, now. God, yeah. Way better now. <laughs> In the 90s? I used to have to drink two gallons of Drano and then and then expel it and then one of them i came in and the guy was like well you're it's, it didn't work and so we're just gonna have to like treat it okay. from the other side okay we're oh, go ahead off. and
2: cut it i'm just saying
1: <laughs> you brought it up <laughs>
2: 2003 grammy winner speaking of poop here's our song
3: oh that was a good segue it caught me off guard it's the grammy winner
4: dance with my father by luther vandross
3: corporation
0: back when I was a child before life removed all the innocence my father would lift me high and dance with my mother and me and then spin me around to asleep. Then up the stairs he would carry me And I knew for sure I was loved If I could get another chance Another walk, another dance with him I'd play a song that would never, ever end. How
3: I'd love love. So, what is that? What song <laughs> is that? That is a song I've never heard in my life <laughs> called Dance With My Father by Luther Vandross.
2: My 1981 pick, Luther Vandross. Coming up years later. I just
3: wait, can't even. Again, I've wait, never we heard tr- that in my life. And I th-
2: are we doing record
1: of the year or song of the year? Because the record of the year is "Clocks" by
2: Coldplay. No, this is song of the year. We've always done song of the year. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> you I mean, I the- can't
3: even believe that's. I mean, first. I've of- never heard that song. Dance never.
2: with my father: a positive message about fathers and sons. Come on. By the way, um, co-written by Richard Marks.
3: No way. Guys. Yes. <laughs> you know, Get so
1: that funny. money,
3: Richard Marks. That <laughs> sounds exact. Now that you say that, it sounds yeah, exactly like Right Here Waiting. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah so totally. Bruce Hornsby's got that, like, uh, drum machine that's on every one of his tracks. Richard Marks has that, that click, fake snap background. And well, he, yeah. here's
2: what I want to play, uh, speaking of fathers, for 2003 – Could you play uh, 10 seconds or 15 seconds of Martha, my dear by the Beatles? In 2003, my daughter was born, Martha, and this was the first song I ever played her uh, when the hospital, strangely enough, uh, gave her to me to leave the hospital. And I put her into my car. I was like, geez, don't I have to go through some sort of testing or something before I walk away with this human being? Uh, But no, uh, apparently not. They gave the child to me, and this was the first song I played her. Martha, my dear. Woo!
1: That's uh, nice. a beautiful one. It's my really daughter sweet. Georgia was born this year, and I will have a story about
3: that later. And, oh, uh, awesome! And a young Will Simons was born. Yes, this oh, what a well. big year! It's a big what year. What a great big, year, big for year for us for the next generation of the of the podcast for sure.
2: Uh, all right. Well, um, uh, is your daughter listening, Ben, to the podcast?
1: She'll sometimes listen if I make her.
2: Yeah, she does Jeff? help me out with the
1: picks though. We talk about the picks.
3: Oh, good. Jeff, what about Will? I have, I am an island unto myself.
2: Um, all
1: right, well, me too. I would say that
3: the entire family has engaged with the concept of the podcast (laughs) for a total of about 84 seconds and has listened to or weighed in on for exactly zero seconds. Well, they
2: might listen once we're gone. And uh, kids, we love you. Nice job.
3: (laughs) And you should have paid more attention.
2: (laughs) Good job, Jeff. (laughs) Stick it to them now.
3: Well, now they're getting the will that I left it all to somebody else. All right. Uh,
2: 2003, I got some events for you. The Human Genome Project is completed. 99% of DNA is figured out by scientists throughout the world. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Really amazing. Um, Ronaldo joins Manchester United at the young age of 18. Quick story, student at Asheville School saw them playing on the TV, and she said, who is that? And another student said, that's Ronaldo. And she says, well, where's he from? And the student replied, he's from Portugal. And she said, looks like I'm going to South America.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) That was a great, great line. Um, Oof. Ben Barton, there was a food item that became particularly popular at the the US Capitol. What was that food item? Oh, no idea. Help me. Jeff guess, Simons, do you know?
3: Was it Freedom Fries?
2: It is indeed Freedom oh, Fries. The freedom Fries. In yeah. two thousand three. Uh, why didn't we like French fries at that time, Ben? I- you're still going to stick it to me more uh, didn't france not help
1: us in attacking iran or iraq
2: Would would let us
1: fly over their airspace something like
0: that
2: no it's yeah they did not uh they did not they were not down with the attack uh the invasion of iraq and so we canceled french wine and we canceled french fries freedom fries jeff simons
3: Yeah. (laughs) yeah what about them
2: the stupidest
3: thing that's just the, the beginning of a of a endless cascade of uh, empty stupid choices uh made in the nation's capital what about a delivery. banner
2: uh strewn across an air, aircraft that, that the says mission
3: Accomplished"? Mission... banner <laughs> at, at the, the mission accomplished was i walked outside to this podium That was the mission (laughs) that had been accomplished. That was really embarrassing. He actually flew uh,
2: onto the aircraft carrier. He did. Our our president did. That was uh, impressive.
3: Well, he didn't. I mean, he was in a plane that flew onto the aircraft carrier, correct? He was not actually behind the wheel. Word on the street was. We did
1: route the Iraqi military. I mean, the mission was not accomplished, but we did route the Iraqi military. That's true. Oh, yeah. dude, they were like the fifth biggest military in the world. It's like, there was right. an actual thing where they were like, oh, no, it could be harder than you think. And then it was not yeah. hard than we thought. Yeah. Although, you know, it's a lot harder than you think is governing that ungovernable country. Yes, right. Indeed. It turns out that maybe having Saddam Hussein run it, you're like, well, that might be the, maybe that's the answer. To- certainly,
3: certainly not good for Iraq, but easier for us.
1: Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't like we unearthed a bunch of like, happy people who were really glad to see us.
3: So. No, that's for sure. Uh, and Saddam, well, we learned and... our lesson and we haven't made bad <laughs> <political, laughs> geopolitical decisions <laughs> since then. So, you know, mission accomplished. It's always, always
2: about what we learn, is it not? Um, all right. Uh, Roy Horn um, is injured in 2003. Do either of you know who Roy Horn is?
3: Is he a volleyball player? He is not. <laughs> I don't know who Roy Horn is. Oh. So, I, mean, I have
2: no idea. Do you know his friend Sigrid?
3: Oh, is he the tiger? Yeah. by the tiger. He's
2: attacked by one of those white tigers, which I don't know if you've ever seen videos of tigers being tamed or trained, but... Are you
3: asking a man in the end of twenty twenty if he's ever watched Tiger footage? I went through Tiger King like a hot knife through butter. Oh, did you? I didn't. I did not. Was it good? I'm all about it. Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, no. It's terrible, but it's unwatchable. (laughs) Like it's unwatchably fantastic. I could not turn away from the car. The car trash that was. Ben Ben Barton,
1: did you get into? tiger kingdom no once again no. jeff is the useful expert on the podcast i'm life ashamed to say i know nothing about tiger
3: tech. you guys i gotta correct. tell ya, you you miss out some every once in a while the thing everybody's talking about only takes about four and a half hours of your life and is as horribly <laughs> provocative as everyone suggests you know?
2: and then you get to get in on the conversation
3: i'm in on the come yeah no um i imagine that was really a horrifying thing to watch live when the tiger uh. You've heard Chris Rock's bit about that, right? Like people like the tiger went crazy. He's like the tiger was crazy when he was wearing riding a little tricycle and a hat. (laughs) He went tiger when he started eating that guy.
2: (laughs) That is terrible. All right, well, uh, let's get to the number one hit of two thousand three. It's the number one hit
4: in the club by Fifty Cent. Go go go. It's your birthday, We're going party like it's your birthday. we gon' sip a card like it's your birthday, And you know, we don't give a fuck. Like it's your birthday. birthday. You'll find me in the club. Out of full of bugs, my I got the hits. Getting the ticket drugs. I'm gonna have a six. I ain't gonna make it look. So come give me a hug. Getting the getting rough. You'll find me
2: in the club. Out of full of bugs, look, my yeah, I got the all right. This 50 Cent is is Dre his producer as well. Yeah, this song is produced by Dre for sure. Okay, so do, who are the rap acts after 50 Cent that Dre's going to produce? Because I remember you mentioned him as one of our top three producers of all time, right, Ben?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he started – I mean, it's a little mean to say, but he's kind of peaking now. Okay. He, continue, he stays on with Eminem, um, and he does a couple more things with 50 Cent. And then, like, he, he did discover some guys. He discovered The Game, who I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the original guys who, who spotlighted Anderson Pack, who I love. Um, But I mean, basically, in terms of like gargantuan, massive number one hits, this is the the peak of his production career.
3: You know, I and I mean, I think the song is ridiculous on many levels, but that sound is undeniable. Oh, yeah. It it sounds fantastic. It sounds super
1: sad, though. I think that the second biggest hit of this year is Ignition Remix by R. Kelly.
3: Oh, which we can't.
1: Yeah, I, I have nothing I have to further to say for, but, except that yeah. I've seen R. Kelly live. And that's how I've twice. I've seen R. Kelly live twice. Ew. That's how much I love R. Kelly and Ignition Remix. But otherwise, I don't. I'm not going to cop to anything else.
2: Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Good call. Um, so Dre's on top of his game. Fifty Cent uh, is he on the top of his game? Is his, is this his peak as well?
1: Oh yeah, by a Oh, totally. Yeah. Except for buying the vitamin water stock. That worked out really nicely yes, for him, it too. Really did. He's like a cajillionaire
2: now.
3: It's unbelievable, That's that guy. So
2: smart. Uh, let's get to our impossible question, which is this question about artists and record companies and that relationship between the artist and the record company. Uh, Jeff Simons, you've just produced and then. Manufactured your own album, correct?
3: Yeah, we do it out here in the garage. We got to print it, we got to press. It's pretty great.
1: That's why they can't listen to the podcast because they're working on the record all day long, (laughs) 24 hours a day.
3: Let's go, kids. Those kids. Tonight's t shirt night. They're like out there with the silk screen. But
2: the process is: you go ahead, you make music, you start playing in, in clubs or bars or arenas, you you make your own EP or something like that, and then you wait for a record company to come sign you, right?
3: That's well, the process. Well, in two thousand three, that yeah, that was you were. I think two thousand three is the very end of new artists hoping for a major label deal. Like I don't know anybody who's who has any aspiration to be signed to a major label right now because it's just impossible. They only sign like six guys a year and they only, the major labels are only interested in stuff that will sell in the quadrillions. And most of my friends are making music that isn't going to, it just isn't designed uh, for that kind of massive audience. My my record accepted. My record <laughs> is designed for all 7 billion inhabitants of the earth. But I didn't even, I mean, I didn't even try. I made the record on my own. I made a record label to, put it out on. Um, and now I'm in the process of shopping it to uh, reviewers and, and right. bloggers. And, and just I, my, my goal for 2021 is just to, to get the record an audience. The if, if lightning were to hit, what would happen for me is a major label would approach me about placing songs into commercials and film and television, but they won't offer me a record deal. They will offer me, assistance and placements and then i can use those placements to leverage the kind of live gigs i can get and maybe the live gig leads to a larger internet audience audience, that's pretty much that's it at this point but in 2003 you could still sign a deal where you were like across the desk from a cigar chomping guy was like kid we're gonna make you a star and the whole package like here's some tour money here's a three album deal go get some nice clothes and a haircut and we're gonna send you out to play Three hundred shows a year until you break.
2: So it was the previous year, two thousand two, where Wilco learned that its label was was dropping them. Right, that their audience wasn't going to be big enough uh, for for the label. Right. Right. And what was? How many? What? What are we talking? What? What did the label think Yankee Hotel Foxtrot would sell?
3: Well, they were worried it wasn't going to sell at all. Right. Like they had big hopes for Summer Teeth because being there had been such a a, a, a success for them because they had they had anticipated it selling about 50,000 and it sold like a quarter of a million, but then but quarter of a million. So it it turned a modest profit. That's a big number though. Yeah. I mean, you're making like, (laughs) all right. The record company's making like six bucks a record. So yeah, they made like, you know, they made a, a million and a half, $2 million off of being there. But this is a, this is a billion dollar company.
2: All right, Ben Barton. Let's go through Jules' discography.
1: No, no, shall before we? you
2: do that, listen.
1: So the record business is like the movie business. Yes. Perfect. Jaws hits and Star Wars hits, and they're like, "Oh, wait, what? Like we could do that? Like we could we could spend uh, fifty million dollars on a movie and make a billion dollars? Well, why why are we doing anything other than that?" Right. And they were like, oh, there's a reason why. You should make small, like, you should get singles and doubles and triples and home runs. And they were like, well, why? Why wouldn't we just Just send home home runs? Just try and get home runs. And so the movie business changes overnight. And that's what the same thing happens with the record business. And it's basically thriller. Thriller just, like, made so, like, an unimaginable amount of money, sold so many. They were like, F all the rest of it. The only point is to have thriller. That's what we need is more Thriller. (laughs) And so yeah. they only signed people they felt were capable of making Thriller. They tried to guide them into Thriller. There was no sense. I mean, and it, uh, you know, it's a capitalist society. And so I assumed that there was a rationality to this, but they just swung for the fences and it was only these gargantuan hits. Um, rather than just trying to sign a whole motley crew of people. Um, and then it gets worse. The thing that happens to the movie industry and the music industry is the, the computers come in and the algorithms and they're like, oh yeah, wait, we all, don't even have to rely on tastemakers. Why should right. we send a human to listen to a band and say, I like this band, they'll be great. Like after humans, like let's just do more of this. And then they're really, really, really chasing their own tails with yep. So yeah, now's like, perfect... so, so
2: now the perfect time. So now's the perfect time. You do not like Jewel uh, before, no, never liked her. after, never liked Jewel, but her debut album, is Pieces of You in nineteen ninety-five. Like yeah. She's a nobody from Alaska. Her dad was a Yodeler. Uh they sent her to that really good music uh school in the summer. What's it called? Interlocking? Interlocking. Yeah. yeah. So she goes to that and then she goes to San Diego and she is indeed living out of her car trying to make it as a singer-songwriter. And she's discovered um Pieces of You goes diamond. Yeah. Which is 12 times platinum. 10, I mean, times. It
3: 10 million copies.
2: Absolutely blows up. Absolutely blows up. Her follow up is Spirit, four times platinum. And that's the album where the record company is impatient and wants more hits. And she talks to Neil Young, and Neil Young gives her this career advice Don't worry about hits, don't worry about radio, just chase your art and do the work. And you'll have a nice long career. Jeff Simons, does Jewel listen?
3: I I, I don't know. I've never spoken to her. I don't know if the techno record that comes out in 2003 was her chasing her vision or whether it was just a a terrible idea. It goes gold. This is
2: 0304 in 2003, where she totally reinvents herself as a, a Britney Spears singer, loses the guitar. And is suddenly trying to dance. And if, if you haven't seen her video for Intuition, please spend thirty seconds checking it out because it's it's nothing like who she was before. So I'm asking, like, where do we draw the line at, at appreciating artists who change and grow and develop? And, and who are some artists who have done that at the cost of their career? And who are some you could think of who like changed and grew and developed? but in the wrong way just trying to chase money because where jewel ends up is she'll then put out a country album in 2008 and then she'll put out a children's album oh by the way two holiday albums as well the since, double holiday since, album since, i like it <laughs> yeah it's good work. yeah good good work uh, yeah. <laughs> good work. uh I mean, where do you guys where do you guys see all this what do you see So I always hated Jewel. I always thought she was
1: super inauthentic. This is how much I hate Jewel. I thought that, I I just looked it up, that what Uh if God was one of a song was by her. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's not by her. That's (laughs) how much I hate her. It's that I thought that song was by her. (laughs) No, she goes, who will save your soul, right? So you're on the right track. Whatever, sure. (laughs) I I never liked her. I thought she was super cheesy when she was a guitar singer-songwriter. And then she turned out to be even cheesier as a techno artist, Whatever. Um, I thought, I mean, basically, sometimes you'll just catch lightning in a bottle. And then it just doesn't work out for you afterwards. And we've seen this repeatedly. I mean, there's a, there, I've chosen songs and people on here have chosen songs where it's like, oh, this is their best song and I wouldn't listen to the next record. Like, just go ahead and That's stop right out. where you yeah. are. Um, and then there are people who basically like never even really have one good song, just have a huge gigantic album that they sort of backed, backed into. That's where I would put Jewel. And I, and by the way, I don't like, I love that genre. I'm super into the female acoustic oh, singer songwriter yeah. genre over and over and over again. I love those songs. And you'll see, especially late 2000s, like I feature that, but she just never hit me right. Well, so I can't believe that Neil Young's are her call. Like if I were Neil, I would, he would be, I would she, be like, who was... is this prank call? Prank call and hang up. <laughs>
2: No, she was opening for him.
1: She was. I know, but I mean, this is why Bob Dylan never talks to anybody.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. right. Believe
1: me, none of the openers for Bob Dylan have a story about Bob Dylan giving them advice. His advice (laughs) is stop talking to (laughs) me.
3: Actually, it's better than that. Like I read an I read an uh, interview with Tony (laughs) Garnier, who has been Dylan's bass player since ninety four. I mean, forever, twenty five years. And he's their bass player magazine is interviewing Tony Garnier and Dylan comes up during the interview. He's like, Hey, we're going to start with uh, uh sooner or later from blonde and blonde tonight. And Tony's like, Oh, thanks Bob. Walks away. And the interview is like, well, that must be cool to just chat with Bob Dylan and talk about the set. And he's like, that's the first time Bob's spoken to me on this tour. <laughs> they were on show 58 of that year. He's like, I haven't spoken to him. That's the that's first time amazing. <laughs> so like, forget the fans. Bob doesn't <laughs> talk to the band. You don't talk to anybody. That's uh, the way to do it. I think Jewel's a weird choice for um, the larger impossible question of, do we forgive artists for changing who they are? And can, you know, cause I don't think she, and I actually dis I don't dislike Jewel with the same vehemence that uh, Ben does. I didn't like that record. I've never owned it. I, I thought she oversang the songs that were pretty good. And I thought the songs that were, not so good. We're under recording. Then she made that terrible choice to put out that poetry book yeah. right away. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember that? That was <laughs> oh, really yeah. put out the record, yeah. and then she put out like her yeah. her high school diary as a book of poetry, like that. I just feel like she got crunched under the. But, she's like one of those skulls in Terminator Two being run over. Like that. The industry just told right. her she was a genius when she was just figuring out how to do it, and then she's. And but there's to her credit, to her credit, like. Like making a country record, making a covers record, making a covers record, making a covers record. She has a sweet voice. She's a beautiful woman. She can play the guitar pretty well. Like, she should make cover records. And if people want to buy them, great. And if not, I mean, she's not hurting anybody. But she's, I don't think Jewel is an artist. I think Jewel is a kid who accidentally got flung to the front of the pack and got out there like, ah, what the hell do I do? And then you see what happens. You end up making a techno record and thinking you have to I be Right. She's, she's the anti-Annie
2: DeFranco. Like, they're both, oh, yeah. they're both the same age when they go off on their own. Um,
3: yeah, that's perfect. She's the she should have gone DeFranco. to
2: New York City instead of San
3: Diego. Well, she also she, Annie DeFranco's music was not going to sell 10 million copies because it's challenging and it's much more authentic and honest. And I mean, Jewel sounds like somebody trying to sound like other people, which is why Ben hates it. Whereas Annie DeFranco sounds like De DeFranco, which is why right. Ben loves it.
2: All right. Well, welcome to 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. I forgot to do our promo, so I'll do it now. We're part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. <laughs> you got to go to musiccitydrivein.com. That's where you'll get the podcast articles, questions, answers, movie trailers, reviews. <laughs> our three songs yeah all right let's go our three songs who's first today i'm gonna go first because i'm gonna head jeff off at the pass
1: oh right No. all
2: right uh
1: so the the biggest record of this year and the most obvious selection is the outcast record the outcast record is a gargantuan record that everybody listened to all year the obvious song that chooses hey Ya. i'm not going to choose hey Ya. I am going to, in fact, choose Happy Valentine's Day. But let me just go ahead and give a little background and tell the story. So these two dudes from Atlanta meet in high school in the early 90s. And they're basically signed while they're in high school. Wow. Uh, and their first record, Southern, I don't know how you're going to try and pronounce it. It's like eight words all piled together. Um, Southern player, (laughs) Cadillac music are all together in this thing. It's basically like a bunch of like pimp stories and it's still outstanding. First of all, like Outkast is great. Everything up until this record is unbelievable. Like you cannot go wrong with it. Each record is great. Then they, and that record's a medium sized hit for them. And it basically puts Atlanta on the map like there had not been an Atlanta rap act before them. That record's a pretty big hit. Um, And then there was Goody Mob and some other people down there, LaFace Records. So um, then they put out two more records um, and they just keep getting weirder. Like their records, like they have this like, uh, Andre three thousand is like going. First of all, he becomes a vegetarian. He stops smoking pot. He basically stops drinking. Becomes a vegan. He's a super interesting guy. Um, and they have this whole tale where they're like actual aliens. They come from space. They've got this whole weird like wow. funkadelic thing where they got a whole background story. Um, Stankonia is actually the best record and that's what the critics think. And that's basically what I think that came out in 2000. So I couldn't choose that. It's up against the um, Radiohead from that year. My favorite um, outcast song is actually gasoline dreams, the burn motherfucker burn American dream. I love that one. <laughs> um, but this is the year like this record sold. I don't know, like millions and millions and millions of copies after Stankonia comes out. They put they do the weird thing where they put out the greatest hits record, and so I, I, at least I was like, oh, that we're at the tail end You're of right. this. Right. Then they're recording solo records, and they're not getting along. And Andres moved to LA, and Big Boy's still in Atlanta. They put out the two solo records as a double album, where Big Boy's got his own one, that Speaker Box, and then Under um, Three Thousand's got uh, the Love Below, and it's so it's weird their best work is together. Um, and each because it's a double album, there's unlistenable bad stuff on both records. That being said, the peaks of these records are unbelievable. I think Hey Ya is the best number one hit of the 2000s. That would be my take on it. Like Hey Ya is just a perfect pop song. Yeah. And yet still it's not my selection. My selection is happy Valentine's day. Um, he, uh, under three thousand, basically sort of, kind of, sort of stopped rapping and started singing, and actually, a lot of people will look to Kanye as the person who broke this, but it's in my opinion, is actually Outkast. Like this is where you begin this process where rap really spreads out into this bizarre collage of different things, and under three thousand is kind of the first guy, um, and then actually, it's super weird. They they're not getting along. They put out these two solo records as an outcast record. They take another, another three-year break. They put out Wild, which I think Jeff will agree, not good. The movie's not good. The record's not good. They take a full-on break. Under 3000 basically is like an actor. He'll sometimes produce things. He's like, all of his guest verses are great. Um, he's a little bit like... Uh, J.D. Salinger or um, Ralph Ellison, where it's like – That's a
3: great comparison. He's
1: put out the work that he has to talk about, and then he's like, oh, I'm like in semi-retirement now. Like he's like barely does anything. Everything that he does is amazing. Um, And everybody he chooses is great. He's got several Frank Ocean songs, which are amazing. He's got an Anderson .Paak song. His taste is impeccable. In what he does.
3: Have you heard the gorillas song he sounds? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Yeah.
1: His, and so this is why I choose, like, Hey Ya! Yeah, is only singing. Or so there's some mumbling. <laughs> but Happy Valentine's Day has got the whole thing. It's got a 50-second rap verse by him. It's got singing by him. It's got talking by him. It's a five and a half minute song and it's actually really hard to choose. I like kept going back and forth whether to start in the middle with the rap or not. But honestly, the best part is to start at the very beginning. Listen for the Prince James Brown guitar part. I was hooked the second I heard it.
4: Happy Valentine's Day by OutKast.
0: My name is Cupid Valentino, the Martin Bailey Cupid.
3: And I just wanna say one thing. Happy Valentine's Day.
4: Every day before I be.
0: I don't think y'all hurt, man. I just wanna say Happy Valentine's Day. Every day before be. Can y'all dig that?
3: Now, when arrows don't penetrate, see. Cupid grabs the pistol. Ah, yeah. Nah. Now, look at here. He shoots straight. For your heart Now And and he won't won't miss you you, But that's alright, y'all won't believe in me
0: anyway, but You won't believe in me, but you
1: Yeah, so wow. I love that one. It's wow. very appropriate on the date of my daughter's birth. Her name is Georgia. Um, they're a super <laughs> Atlanta act, and I love it for that. If you haven't been to Atlanta, I, Tim, you've probably spent a medium amount I of mean, time in Atlanta along yeah. with me.
2: I mean, it's amazing. I, I was there uh, when they hit, so I, I kind of – I tracked Tupac in Vegas and, and Big Boy in Atlanta, so this is great. Yeah, so there's a
1: version of Atlanta where you're like, oh, it's just Dallas – in Phoenix, and Houston. It's just a big crappy town with no center and a bunch of excerpts. Uh-huh. But if you actually get to know it and spend some time in it, it's an amazing, amazing place. And these guys capture the vibe of it so beautifully and perfectly. Um, and if you haven't seen the TV show Atlanta, it's actually oh, partially so inspired great. by Outcast. So great. And it's got all of the same stuff. It's, first of all, the TV show and Outcast, especially Andre's work, has this whole, this amazing sense of humor. Like, Happy Valentine's Day and the, the vampire song and Hey Ya are laugh-out-loud funny. Like, he is so freaking hilarious. Yeah. And super weird. He's got this whole, like, sci-fi vibe to it. And he's got this African-American experience. And, like, uh, this is why Gasoline Dreams is my favorite. I mean, they've got a huge social justice mission that goes along with it. Like, the mash of all these things
2: together. They're a super unique act. Love it. Great stuff. Love them. Jeff, you're nodding your head all along.
3: Oh yeah, well he did totally steal my thunder. I mean, we can't, <laughs> we can't have a 2003 podcast uh, without hey yeah. I agree. It's the it's the u- great unifying single of the decade. Like music, music fans have just splintered. Like uh-huh. there is no song everybody loves anymore. There just aren't. Like I'm looking at the top blanks of 2020 from every website, and they can't even agree to have a top one top 20. It's like Top 20 rock, top 20 alt rock, top right. 20 math rock, top 20 shoegaze rock, top 20, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, there is no center to the musical world anymore in the way that there used to be. And, and I think 2003 is, is, there is a moment where every single person who loves music in America knows what one, two, three, bomb, and it means. Like we all, and we're all like, <laughs> yeah, that's the one I want to hear. I only want to hear that song today. Um, and I don't think it happens again for another eight years until we get to the early 2000s with one of my picks. But, um, but it's I Also,
1: th- it's still the truth in 2020. I don't know when the last time you were at a wedding. But oh, when they oh. start, hey, yeah, and you yeah, get to everybody. do the shake it like a Polaroid picture on the everybody floor, was out there. everybody comes out.
3: Everybody, our age comes out, all the kids come out. Yeah. Banger. Yeah, it's, it's like yep. September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know what I mean? Like, it's just <laughs> – it's gonna be that song forever. It's it's just an undeniable, perfect pop song. And this record, I mean, it, you know, Ben's perfectly captured it. Like it's too long and it's weird, but like the high points, like ghetto music, the way you move, the song Ben picked, I, the version of my favorite things on this record. Oh, is it's beautiful. Spectacular. It's <laughs> off the charts, amazing. Like it's a great, great record. Roses is great. Like, yeah. So, Heya should be my pick, but I'm not going to do that. Oh, wait, I'm- hold
1: on. One last thing before we move on. I forgot to say it. Uh, yeah. Don't sleep on Big Boy. All, no. not some, all of the Big Boy solo records are great. I've seen him... I don't know, four or five times, and he puts on a hell of a show, he's great. And the record's great. The, the Rooster's my favorite from Speaker ah, Box. But, I mean, great. he's just, like, it's an undeniable force of nature. He's the OG. I mean, he he broke Killer Mike. Like, he's the reason why Atlanta yeah, Rap exists. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
3: And I mean, awesome. Big Boy's going to be, uh, yeah, big. I mean, I'm not, I don't stay deep in the hip hop the way Ben does, but like everything Big Boy, like when I hear a hip hop song, I'm like, boy, I love that. Big Boy's usually got his fingerprints all over it. So <laughs> I love these guys. And I'm actually, I was sad when they couldn't hold it together, but it, oh. was the, it was the right call. You know what I mean? There's no like embarrassing outcast record that, that haunts
1: well, I don't, well, it's not good.
3: But it's not, I mean... It's not
1: embarrassing, one, that's fair. It's one record, you know what I mean? Like. But know. the other thing is, for me, it's a little bit like, like Bill Watterson. It's like, like yes. just, I would just yeah. prefer more. Just give it, right. you know, whatever. Like, you don't have to, like, hold back. I mean, it's not... I, I, again, I'm a fan he's the artist he gets to do what he likes he's given me more than my due for sure that being said if he just wants to sit and mumble like there's a yeah. bunch of stuff on this record where he's just like mumbling and i'm like oh yes
3: more like I'm that in. please i love it <laughs> i'm yeah. all on board so anyway hey yeah uh, would have been my pick if ben hadn't have just like completely uh well now, now
2: that you've mentioned it give give the folks 10 seconds one two three uh, my baby
4: don't mess around because she loves me so much. I know, but, show. but does she really want Can't stand to see me walk out the door. All right, great. All uh, right, so, so, let's
3: so. change gears. I'll we'll go, wait, I'll, wait. I'll go just, to backup. We'll just
2: say that that is uh, an agreed upon great song by all three of us for 2003. Yeah, no doubt. Secretly the song of the year. Go
3: secretly so let's go the other direction let's go with a totally different sound and production approach um the other for me uh the other song that towers over 2003 uh is by a duo um that uh everybody knows this is the white stripes year for me like not everybody else would probably pick 2001 and go with the record that had fell in love with a girl on it the white stripes start in detroit Jack White and Meg White are husband and wife, or I think start as just together, then they get married, then they divorce, then they stay a musical duo, and they tell everybody that they're brother and sister, even though they aren't. Um, They are geniuses at creating mythology. One of the things I love most about Jack White is just the all in on you create a cool mythology and you stick with it, right? I love the, the red and white everything color scheme. I love the fake background. I love all of that rock and roll imaginary posturing. And I particularly love it because it's so wonderfully inauthentic, right? Like they invent this hilarious backstory, none of which is true in a moment when Americans demand more and more and more authenticity. Like it's the perfect year for a 50 cent to be number one, because 50 Cent's calling card was, I've been shot nine times, guess what a great artist. Like, you know how great an artist I am? I got shot nine times, (laughs) right? The cover of the record is him shirtless with bullet wounds and broken glass, right? Like, as if being the victim of a crime makes you an artist but that's where we were in 2003 like every word you say better be real and everything you say you that happened to you better be exactly what happened and we're going to run it through court testimony and it's it does a tremendous disservice to art and it's a peculiarly american thing i think it's a peculiarly african-american thing like americans demand wild authenticity from their african-american artists in ways that they give other white artists to pass but i love that in this moment of like this is my truth and this is who I am. And every word comes from the depths of my soul. Jack White's like, yeah, it's my sister Meg and we're from nowhere. And here's a two minute <laughs> song played at a thousand miles an hour. Like he just ran screaming from to a, a visionary imagined place where these two like Northern city kids could be hillbillies from question Mark. And they, they chuck the band and they chuck any kind of traditional. A lot of people say that they stole their whole thing from a North Carolina duo called the Flat Duo Jets, who in the late 80s made a series of records that was just uh, guitar and drums. And the Flat Duo Jets were cool, but they didn't have this rocket sauce that the White Stripes did. I've seen the White Stripes a couple of times, um, and there's they are, Jack White is just one of the all-time great dynamic performers of his generation. He's just mesmerizing. And he's a
1: house band at Bonnaroo. I've seen all of it. Oh, yeah. I've seen yeah. him solo. I've seen the white yeah. strife several times. Um, the tours. I saw the one where he plays drums
3: with the theater. Yeah. They're, they're all recommendable because white, the other thing I love about Jack white is he sounds like himself. He's the rare musician who sounds like himself when he's playing Jack white's guitar tone and the way he attacks a guitar is unmistakable instantaneously. So, That's the difference between this duo and other kind of over-stylized attempts to reinvent rock and roll. Like, yes, Jack White's full of shit, and Meg can't play very well, and they're aping old blues records sometimes, which is why I didn't like the records. Like, I liked the whole concept of the White Stripes, but I bought that Little White, whatever that, that third record is called. I was like, meh, Elephant. In 2003, they get it all right. They get... They get the mythology and the playing and the sound and the production and most importantly the songwriting and it just comes all together elephant is one of my favorite rock records of all time it's easily my favorite white stripes record and there's one song on that record that is my favorite white stripes song by a wild mile and it's not one of the two minute blasters like I I love when those little short songs come on but what Jack White's about for me is the rise and fall right like builds it up builds it up builds it up and then he literally slows down the tempo he breaks all the rules of of live performance like you know you, you can't speed up and slow down and the songs have to have be pithy and short and so the song is ball and biscuit oh, which is you. it's just so a killer it's just so absolutely all the way through like I'm gonna listen to this song three four hundred times and I get lost in it every time He he tears off two unbelievable solos but really what he does is he sums up the whole white stripes thing in six or seven whatever long this is seven minutes right like we don't sound like anybody else we don't play like anybody else we are kind of full of it but we're also like so playing this song like it's the last thing we will ever do. So while the, <laughs> while the whole story's inauthentic, there's nothing more authentic than the, than the performance. And Jack White is just a classic American showman. He is Mark Twain. He is like, he is the voice that rises out of nowhere and speaks for everyone and then disappears. And you're like, Did anybody, does anybody know that guy? And that's, that's why I love this song in particular, and it's my backup for 2003.
4: Ball and Biscuit by The White Stripes. Seven sun right now you could care less about me, but soon enough you will care by the time I'm done. Let's have a ball and a biscuit, sugar, and take our sweet little time about it. little time about it tell everybody in the place to just get out and we'll get clean together and I'll find me a soapbox where I can shout it
3: a little Jack White guitar for everybody yeah.
2: It's a song to get lost in. That's a kick-ass tune. Good stuff. Ben Barton, do you like the uh, Jack Black? Jack I white? do.
1: I love the White Stripes. The Hardest Button to Button is my favorite on this ah, record. Yeah, or Girl, You uh, Have
3: No Faith in Medicine also, I love from this record.
1: Yeah, so. this one's a banger, and he's great. Um, I actually think that it's, it's not even that he's imitating old blues things. It's actually a remix of Led Zeppelin with weirder lyrics. Um, it's like but the, he's really self conscious about it, like he's very aware of where he sits in this timeline. Um, he 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 does a duo on purpose like it's a it's an actual thing where he's like i'm just gonna like strip it down it's a little bit like writing a haiku as a poem like he's like when there's only two people there's strict rules and one of them's a drummer right you know what i mean yeah he's got to fill in so much space it is actually weirdly freeing for him as an artist that's how i experience it um and yeah this one was amazing and I, i remember really vividly the first couple of records i was like wow what are they doing and it was it was a little off-putting it took me a while to get into it and this was the record that really sort of greased the skids for me
2: right because there are other instruments out there he could hire other people well Well,
3: now Now he's got the big band and the three backgrounds oh does he really and it's cool but it he went all he went red and white to blue and black i mean the thing i love about jack white is he's so like he's so consistent like all right i I did a whole (laughs) strip down thing in one color palette and i'm going completely the other direction i'm going to go totally different colors. I'm going to make a huge band stage. I'm going to hire all these pros. And I mean, I like everything he does. I like some things more than others. Um,
1: yeah. And so basically backstage at Bonnaroo, there's like an artist area, but it's not really an artist area. It's an industry area. Like right. nobody who's a major artist comes back there because they would be mobbed by losers
3: like me who are there. Dude, I'm and, standing right next to me. you for the story. <laughs> well, just go ahead and tell it them. Well, no, I mean, I was like, we're, we were waiting in line for ice cream at the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> And I turn around and like Jack Black is in line behind me for Jack Ice Cream. Jack White jack white and not
1: not incognito no either in the sometimes cat like you'll sometimes catch a guy um who's like you know on the basis of such and such band and i'm like i just saw you a great set And yeah. he was jack white in the full he's got a white hat on <laughs> a full white suit and it's tennessee in june it's a yeah. jillion degrees he's not breaking a sweat at all and he's got like his whole like retinue with him following along behind him and then oh, yeah. I mean, he's from nashville he's living in Nashville now. So yeah. he knows everybody. Everybody's coming up to talk to him. And then he was like, I didn't stay in my trailer. Do you know why? Because I wanted to come out here and watch all y'all kiss my ass. Yeah. <laughs>
3: and then Meg is like eight feet behind him. Just like, sitting Oh, she does not like
1: talking to people.
3: Yeah. She's just kind of waving back and forth. That, oh. that was great. That was the all time. Great. Uh, backstage moment for me at Bonnaroo was just like, Oh, well, hello, sir. And then you like, it was like 20 minutes before the set. Like I remember like we got our ice cream and then you and I went to get a good spot. And then he went up there and played for like two and a half
0: hours. Yeah, Fantastic.
2: Eat, eating his ice cream. Ah, oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I am going to change things uh, dramatically as well. Are you ready? Do it. Uh, all right. I've got, uh, I'm in Atlanta. I'm the Dean at Pace Academy and I've got these two students who are dating. Zach and Laura, and they bring me a tape and they say, Mr. Plain, you have to listen to this. Uh, I'm like, who who is it? And they tell me who it is. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. But I went and I played uh, and it was awesome. And I've listened to it so many times since. This must have been 2005 because they put a bunch of albums onto this. Um, Zach and Laura, Then went away to college, one in Washington, one in Maine. And I'm like, well, that relationship's over. High school relationships never last. They stuck it out. They're married. And they just had their baby this year in 2020. Go, Zach, and Laura. Hopefully named Timothy.
3: Yeah, you know, they
2: they they went in another direction. Don't don't worry about that. Forget them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Next. We're gonna go with young Rufus Wainwright, Fourteenth Street.
4: Fourteenth Street by Rufus Wainwright. You got my last brother so my dear mother's eyes brown horses man.
2: Barn, where are you on rufus wainwright because it seems to me i never liked him (laughs) never liked it seems to me this is this is extravagant pop
3: yeah i actually think rufus is a remarkably talented guy he's the son of Loudon wainwright and one of the mcgarrigal sisters and i'm right uh, i don't remember which one but uh, the first time i heard him sing i was like god this guy is just like endlessly talented and i think he is kind of like endlessly talented i think he tries to do too much and i think it well, uh, tries to he tries to kitchen sink every song like there's a beautiful melody here and then it's replaced by a second and then a third and a fourth and and if if they, they sound like songs <laughs> designed for a musical oh right? yeah that well, yeah, written, that's why
2: i hate him
1: he's and and has really written a few
3: operas <laughs> and, right i mean and i just bummed about that i wish he would i wish he would uh I wish he would write songs rather than performances. Is that, does that make sense? Here's but I don't my, begrudge his talent. Like, I, right. like when Rufus Wainwright comes on, I don't stick around, but I, don't, I totally understand people who get it because it's full of musicality. It's full of talent. It's just not the way I wish he would express that
2: talent. Well, he's also, I mean, this is the, the flip side of Jewel, right? He's doing his thing. You know, I I don't think he's guided by any um, anyone else but his own
3: artistry. Maybe I don't know enough about him to know whether that's true or not. I mean, I always I mean, worry when I he hear writes- something like this that I'm like, this is a song designed to impress rather than communicate. And and maybe that's unfair, but like when I feel like art is trying to show me how how good it is, it makes it harder for me to get inside it myself. Well, so uh, Judy, right, you so- ready?
1: I looked up on Spotify because I was like, I wonder what the top five Rufus Wainwright songs are. Because I I really don't like him. And I was like, but maybe there's one that I know. Because I actually, I have, I've heard enough, I have like on my iTunes, I have multiple albums by him. I have enough to know that I have an opinion that I don't like him. Right. So can you guess (laughs) the number one song? I have no idea. It's the cover of Hallelujah. uh, It's the Leonard Cohen song. That's his most famous song. You want to guess the number five song that explains everything about it?
2: Cigarettes and chocolate milk.
1: Oh, no, it's Baby, yeah. It's Cold Outside. Oh, it's a Christmas song I'm
3: just oh. saying, that's where we're at, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like his song, Going to a Town. Is that That's number about? three. That, that's a great song. That's one where he put it all together, and I was like, okay, this I get, but he has not been able to sustain it for me beyond uh, so, the occasional moment. So he's but got one, two, three, that song kicks ass. He's got
2: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 uh, studio albums. One of them wow. is the one where he, where he did like nine Shakespeare sonnets and put them to music. So he's got
1: oh, uh, I mean, the classic he, sonnet album. Do, yeah, do you want,
2: do you want the big, uh, the big factoid that I know that I'm keeping from you? Yeah. He, t- he went to interlock in the same year as Jewel.
3: Look at that. <laughs> I love it. Classmates Dude. at Interlocking. Yeah. That was a year. Dude, can you yeah, believe, right? People from that summer together yeah. sold 27 million records or something. That's a, that's freaking That's amazing. fantastic. you the that funny is I bet
1: Jewel likes his dad's music more than Rufus likes his dad's music. Oh, I mean, yeah. There's some
2: fair. Rufus Rufus Loudon stories that uh that are aren't, aren't too great. Uh, you know who's a big uh was a big fan was uh, David Bowie. You both like David Bowie? Sure. I do, yes. Same kind of theatrical approach <laughs> I don't like that all David like. Bowie.
1: This is where we're going now? You're gonna have David right. Bowie as
3: your
2: defense. That's right.
3: I know why do you have to defend? I I was I thought I was measured and clear. You oh know, Zoom I, doesn't am lie, am Jeff
2: Simons? For No, No, palette? You have a white backdrop. Maybe in your bedroom with that dark wood, you could hide your distaste. But once I said Rufus Wainwright
3: oh come on i even pulled a song i like out of my hat for you i like that song i like that going to a town song it could be worse i
1: thought we were getting jewel for sure i thought we were (laughs) locked in on jewel i
3: was worried man you had me a little you had did have me a little startled this
1: is a squirrely spot though for sure so i like
2: it it's good it's
3: good ben's
1: Ben's
2: like oh yeah i've got a few albums on my i also
3: love that like (laughs) tim's got a story behind everything like every time tim picks when he's like all right here we go i'm like what What childhood fawn did he nurse back to health with this (laughs) song in the background that makes it the best song of that year? Like, you were such a heart on your sleeve, dude. I so appreciate that. Like,
2: Uh,
3: Ben and I are these, like, soulless (laughs) critics. We're like, oh, well, you know, the sound of music was changing in this song. And you're like, you know, I bought a puppy to this song and it's the best (laughs) song of the year. I love that. I'm sorry, rescued a puppy. That's right. That's right.
0: (laughs)
2: <laughs> I would never buy one. <laughs> Dear God. Uh, all awesome. right, gentlemen, it is time to call it a day. We need to get serious, however, about what this podcast becomes after we run out of 50 years. So I want to. Oh, proposals. did we get another
1: 16, 17 years. We'll be fun. That's we'll 17 weeks. We can worry about that. <laughs> Listen, I'm I not in the proposals. business of worrying about
2: next no, week. No, we're, we're all on break right now. This is the time. Um,
1: can
3: oh, I shamelessly self-promote before we? Yes, uh, shameless so, self-promotion, Jeff Simon. Thank you. I don't know how many listeners of this podcast have have uh, experienced the cross-pollination of checking out my my solo record, but uh, it stuff. is up. It is everywhere. Um, you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, Deezer, whatever the hell that is. Like I'm, a, I, I've now Deezer. been. Uh, wow. It's now on several Russian mafia MP3 ripoff sites. <laughs> um, so you, if you type Jeff Simon's River Run into the internet, any <laughs> manner of thing of available things. Um, and I, please beg, borrow, steal, share, like, spelunk, like whatever you crazy kids could do to help River Run make it out into the world. I am endlessly grateful. But if you uh, if you are looking for some music to listen to, I would be. Uh, I would be super grateful for a spin, and uh, and if you you know if you want to go even further and, and let us know what you think, um, I'm uh, wide wide open to knowing that people are listening. So
2: I'm definitely. Thanks tweet. in
3: advance, uh, fifty years of music family for uh, for accepting what well, I'm sure will be the first of many shameless yeah. self promotions by yours truly about this and record.
2: And so. if you've ever had uh, your heart broken, music I've forgotten by Jeff Simon's on River Run. Oh, go ahead. There you
3: go. If somebody pulled your heart out on Christmas Day, I've got you covered. <laughs> yeah, great. totally.
1: And the, the first single, Kiss Me, beautiful piece Excellent. of pop music. Just Excellent.
2: gorgeous. Make guitar playing, Fantastic. terrific riff. Wonderful. Yep. Go Florida. Whew. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> nice job tonight. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, Leave us a review on iTunes, give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year Old White Guys.
0: Electric Welcome to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul.